This is Deep Natter. In this episode, Sean and I are discussing the role of the personal website in an age of dwindling attention spans and the rise of social media. Is the Squarespace site or the WordPress blog still as important and relevant as it once was? Or have people left websites behind in favor of platforms that are seen more as virtual communities of like-minded visitors? Here we go. What's been going on? Yeah, it's been pretty good. Pretty good. I've uh, started working on more diligently on the next series of paintings, especially after getting this uh, this painting that I've been working on for a long time, and I just it just didn't come together. So, so I killed it. And um, how did you kill it, Jeffrey? <laughs> <laughs> I took it out into the backyard and mm-hmm. beat the snot out of it with a sledgehammer. Oh, <laughs> And now you're officially an artist. I am. I came back in and, and Adrian was like, better? <laughs> yep. like, yes. Thank you yes, for, thank thanks you. for asking. You know, it was, it, you know, like I told you over the weekend, it was just one of those things where I had, I had spent a bunch of time on it and it never really clicked. And I'd painted over it and tried again and, you know, painted over it and tried again. And I'd done this probably... I don't know, half a dozen times tried to get this thing painting over portions of it, or in some cases, the entire thing and starting again. It just didn't happen. And I found that it was that sort of thorn that I kept going back to. And it was keeping me from moving forward on some of the other work because I felt like I had to make something of this thing. Right. Mm. Um, but Honestly, taking it out and just beating the hell out of it and, and completely destroying the panel with a sledgehammer <laughs> felt great. And it, and, it, and it freed me up to then go back and actually make some progress on these other pieces, which I hadn't been able to do for a while because this, this, this one had been kind of taking up processor cycles in my head. Do you have that often where you, where you kind of, you're working on something and it's not going to go anywhere, but you, you persist too long with it or? Never to this degree. I've never done this before, which is kind of why Adrian was a little perplexed. You know, she and the dog were just sort of sitting there at the window watching this unfold. Oh, <laughs> I never, dead? yeah, Ooh. yeah. And I'd never done it before. I'd never gotten to this point where where it, I just couldn't make anything. And maybe I could have. Maybe you know, m- maybe messing with it for a little longer, it would have come together. But. It, it just, I felt like I had been at this particular panel for weeks, literally weeks, maybe even longer than weeks, maybe months that I've just been going at it and going at it and going at it. And every time I would walk into the studio, rather than moving ahead with this, this series that I know what I want to do with, and I have already some of them pre-vised and I, I know where I want to go with it, rather than working on that, I would keep at this other panel, trying to make something of it, trying to force it. And in the end, it just, it never showed me what it wanted to be and getting rid of it and taking it out of the mix was exactly what I needed to free me up to get back to the things that I already have an idea of where they're going to go. Mm. It's a good question though, isn't it? Like how, how do you know when to walk away from something? How do you know yeah. when something either can't be salvaged or it's just taking too much energy from you? And, and it's leaving very little energy for everything else. How do you know when to, to kill a project? 
Right. And, and I think it's individual. I know it is. In fact, I, I remember having a conversation with Lisa Pressman, who's a terrific artist, about working on multiple pieces. And she will sometimes come back to pieces months or even years later that have just been somewhere else in the studio. Yeah. But she's able to let go of them and they don't occupy that, that same sort of thought space as what, you're, what she's currently working on. And for me, this one piece, and, and again, this is the first time that it had ever happened like this, where I just couldn't let go of this thing. Mm-hmm. I couldn't not work on it. And I hope that this isn't a precursor of, you know, events to come. I hope it was just an, an anomaly, but. Um, <laughs> Jeffrey slippery uh, slide with the sledgehammer. I know, right? <laughs> um, and, and maybe that, you know, now that I think of it, maybe, maybe that work is, maybe that is the work in and of itself. Because now I've got this, this panel that's in, you know, splintered into dozens of pieces. Maybe that is the piece, right? Well, I was going to say it kind of is, isn't it? I mean, it's it's Hendrix setting his guitar on fire, really. right? Right. They be, they become you know the aftermath. So yeah. it it all counts, right? As Adrian would say, yeah. Um, yeah. But it it's yeah. I mean, it's a good question. I'd love to get feedback, you know, from from listeners, whatever it may be, whether it's a a book or a series of photographs. When when do you know when it's time to let it go? When do you know when it's time to walk away, and just not you know not continue to work that theme or that subject or, or that idea, how do you know? And, 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 and if, if that happens, what do you do? Do you ever come back to it or do you have to just get rid of it completely? Mm, mm. I mean, have you ever had that happen where you just, you couldn't get an idea where you wanted it and you had to walk away or have you always been able to, to find something in it to hold on to, whether it's a theme in, in a photographic body of work or a video or, or what have you? I was trying to think about it while you were talking. I'm not sure. I'm not sure I have an example of where I needed to. I, I've got lots of things that are, um, I, I think I'm fairly good at not investing too much energy in something until I can feel it's ready to be finished, mm, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. But it's very different to what you're doing with painting. You do go through a process of building up and pulling back and building up and pulling back. And you you kind of have to trust the process a little bit more. Whereas I think most of the things I do I've I've got lots of I suppose I've got folders on my hard drive of you know half written books or 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 mostly written video scripts and all those kind of things which I'll go back to every now and again because I got them to a point and I realized nah it's not ready I can't do it now but I don't I don't feel the need to take a, a, a you know a cyber sledgehammer to it I, I can just leave it there <laughs> just percolating in Google Drive for a while and then you come back and you realize oh there is something there most of that's crap and then you delete a bunch but you realize oh the core of this is quite good let me strip it back to the core and build it back up again but but I think I I can't think of anything where I've got obsessive about it to the point where it's where it started to take energy away from other stuff i'm quite good at being able to sort of leave things in a folder somewhere and come back to them at whatever stage i left them Um, Mm, but mm -hmm. when i when i take something to completion when it's time to go with something then then that's the one thing but i'm like i'm very um i'm not very good at multitasking so so it kind of ends up being this week i'm going to finish that video i've got this half a script i'm going to finish that script tomorrow I'm going to flesh it out. Then I'm going to film it Wednesday, Thursday. I'm going to edit it on Friday, hopefully finish it by Friday night, post it Saturday. And, and I'll hit it in those few days. But nothing else can really happen in those few days because mm-hmm. that's the time to finish that thing. 
Um, and I can't remember now. I think there was one time on my channel, and I, I posted over 100 videos. I'm not sure how many at this point, 120, 130, something like that. There was one video, and I can't remember what it was now, but there was one video I started to make that I didn't finish. And really? Yeah. Only Has one. it been since we've known each other? Because I, I can't remember. I was just trying to remember as you were talking. I don't remember you ever not seeing something through or finishing a project when you've said, oh, I'm going to do this or I'm working on this. It comes out regularly like clockwork. It's, oh. a, it's, it's an incredible skill, actually. You know what it was? It was, it was a video about um, having a very small kind of pocketable with the Rico and the phone and going out in the street and taking photographs with a very small kit. Um, hmm. And I, try, I, I tried to film it at a particular time, but I had this foot injury and I couldn't really oh. walk very well. And I needed B-roll of me walking around the streets and I just looked like I was hobbling and wincing the whole time. So it wasn't, I, I had to can it for that reason, which was, it was just kind of out of my control. It wasn't really a creative reason, but I did come right. back to it later and I did film it. So actually there's no, there's no idea that I said, I'm going to, I'm going to make this video and for a creative reason I, I i backed out but i i often put things out that aren't exactly what i want them to be they are just close enough to what i what i wanted to say that i'm okay with releasing it um and i think i've also had to get fairly good as a perfectionist at just letting things go out in a good enough state realizing that there's probably in that good enough state some things that were better about it than i could have imagined and some things that aren't quite there because that's how else could it be if you think about it, right? So I guess I guess yeah I I, th I think yeah I can't remember a time I've just totally abandoned or destroyed a project because it's taking too much time. I'm I'm happy to kind of stick it in a folder, walk away, and maybe come back to it, or maybe not. I've still got loads of projects sitting in folders from from five years ago that I haven't gone back to, and I'm all right with that. Yeah, yeah, that's same. Just, I do too. Yeah, that's especially this is the first books, one, by the way. Oh, really? Yeah, because it's, I think a book is such a time investment mm. that I think the best I can often do, and I've only written two, but like the, the best I can often do is to sketch out an outline of, of where the, I hope the book will go and what it'll be about and what the running order will be. But then I start to invest a little bit of time in it and I can sense straight away, no, it's not ready yet. I'm not ready yet. Mm. I haven't done enough. I'm not ready to say this yet. Well, just I think I think for me anyway, as someone who's not like an author author, but someone who just writes a book every ten years or something, like I think <laughs> I think like I think that, it's not yet a habit. <laughs> no, no, it's not, yeah, yeah, I've got it under control. <laughs> for now. Um, I think the thing about it is like when 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 you write a book, this you you've got to put down so much content, and hopefully it's rich content. You're not just taking one thin idea and trying to stretch it out for seventy thousand words. You're you're, you're trying to fill every chapter with a lot of rich stuff. For me, I have to have done a lot of living to have a lot of things to say. Mm -hmm. And like, I have to have lived a lot of stories and had a lot of experiences so that I can then talk about those from a point of view where it's earned knowledge, not just theoretical knowledge, if that makes sense. And that mm -hmm. takes me time to be able to do that. So I've, I've definitely got books that I've wanted to write that I have sketched out. But every time I've sat down with them, I've, when I start to give them energy, I've realized, nope, that's not ready yet. I, I don't have enough to say yet. And then I back out. But they still sit there and wait. And maybe I'll get to them in five years, 10 years, who knows? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And are they all dependent on sort of lived experience or is there some fiction in there? Is it is it loosely based on life experience? Like what what's the subject matter that you that you have in folders? Is there a common theme? Um, I mean, the first book I, I wrote and finished was about the church. 
um, right. and my time with the church. The second one was obviously now this book on creativity. Um, I do have like a book sketched out about relationships, right? Um, which I'd love to get to, uh, which is, you know, there's lots in there, but I, I don't, I don't think it's ready yet. You know, there's, there's still more living and thinking and, and stuff to do before I get to that. Um, I, so yeah, it's not really, it's not really all on a theme. It, it, it kind of mm-hmm. covers each one's quite a big topic and it sort of tries to, but yeah, I, I mean, the kind of books I've written haven't been fiction at all and they are based in my experience because I, I, right. I think that I, I struggle honestly with, with self-help type books that don't have a lot of the author's own vulnerability in it because mm. I feel like it, it it's too cold and theoretical and doesn't connect right. with me. Right. I, yeah. I wanna, it's, it, they become prescriptive, don't they? Without, yeah. without being authentic. Yeah. I want, I want to hear where you messed up and I want to hear like what it costs you to learn this because then it makes it okay that I messed up. You know, mm-hmm, and that, mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. brings me into it with you. It makes it a conversation, not you're, you're some kind of expert sitting on a cloud feeding me wisdom when actually that's right. definitely not the way it is. You're, you're as messed up as I am. So let's, let's talk, let's talk on a level playing field. That's the kind of book I always want to write. So yeah, it, it means that you have to do that living in between so you can mess up enough, you know, so you got right, enough good right. stuff to say. So there, yeah. there are no, uh, uh, Game of Thrones epics or, or, you know, bond stories in buried in folders on Sean's hard drive. I have, I have got a few like short story ideas mm. sketched out because I'd love to write short stories. Um, and it's something I, I, you know, I'm completely out of my depth in, but you know, I, I love Come that Come on though. You, you said that when you started writing Meaning in the Making too. We had those conversations and yeah, you're and clearly I, not And I still feel that way. So. <laughs> <laughs> Quit it. Quit it. But it's true though. It's true. Like, how do you know, how do you know how good you are at something? It, it'd right. be like me telling you, you're a brilliant author, Jeffrey. I don't know what you're talking about. You, you wrote Photography by the Letter. You don't necessarily see it that way. It's your own no. thing, you know? Right, right, it, right. It's, it's, all, it's all subjective. Um, but I do, I love like, um, Ted Chang stuff and, you know, Neil Gaiman's short story stuff. I love those mm-hmm, kind of things. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I've got a lot of like, I've got a lot of sort of a top draw kind of premise stuff. Like I'd love to, I'd love to see a story written in this location at this point in history. That's about this. I've got a lot of that kind of stuff, but I'd still have to mm. go in and start actually creating stories out of this. And there I, I I'm starting from like, Step one, I have no idea what I'm doing completely out of my depth, but it'd be a fun, creative exercise. I mean, it doesn't have to go anywhere. I just, I just love to give it a crack one day. Yeah. I would imagine that, that writing from the perspective of a character other than yourself would be interesting to you because you do put so much weight and so much thought into being you and, and, (laughs) you know, rightfully so, but it might be an interesting departure to to pretend for a bit and, and, and look at the world and react to things in ways that you, Sean, wouldn't normally see the world or react to them. You know what I mean? I thought about this the other day. Like, I think it's the paralysis of choice thing because it's, it's mm-hmm. like someone sitting you down at a table and saying, Hey, 
tell me a story about anything. You're like, oh, right. I don't, I don't right. know. I don't know. <laughs> Where's it say? I don't, I don't know, man. Why are you pressuring me? Do you know what I mean? It's, like, it's, like, it's, too... <laughs> it's you and I in Red Dead Redemption just yes. ending up riding our horses around because we can never decide on what to do. We don't, we don't play the game. We don't play the game. We just have a wander around on our horses and then other people come up to us in the game and shoot us. And we were just talking, walking into the yeah. sunset on horses. We genuinely do that. That's what Jeffrey and I do on Red Dead. It's really yeah. funny. In fact, can we tell them about your 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 like podcast video cast idea you had? Oh which yeah, I think sure. Is genius. Sure. I think it was so yeah, good. Go ahead. Like, we still have to do this one day. So Jeffrey came up with the best title for for a Red Dead Redemption. What what would you call it? A it would have been kind of a vlog, really. If yeah, you, basically, is Jeffrey and I jump into Red Dead Redemption, which for those of you who don't know is a beautifully uh, conceived open world. Um, West, uh, what would you say, Western kind of Western style? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, know, same people that did Grand Theft Auto. So yeah. it's it's this giant, you know, very visceral open world set yeah. in the probably yeah eighteen sixties, I think maybe. Yeah. So you basically design your cowboy and your horse, and you go wandering around, and you you shoot things and rob things. But like Jeffrey and I don't do that. We just we just jump in and we because it's such a beautiful world. So we're on a we're on a playstations with their headphones on and mics and we're walking through the world with our horses and we're taking photographs because there's a camera function in it as well so we're taking photos <laughs> of things and just talking Sean will be like stuff. hey you you want to go up to that, li- that that ridge up there sure because anywhere you can see in the game you can go yeah so you know we spend an hour just leisurely riding our horses up to this ridge and then pull out our cameras and start taking pictures exactly and we like the light looks amazing over there let's go take a portrait of you so this is how we play red dead redemption <laughs> and we talk about stuff we'll start we'll, we're basically doing what we're doing on this podcast we're just talking about things as we go so how cool would right. it be to have a youtube channel it's just jeffrey and i walking around on horses and red dead but talking about life and jeffrey's title was red dead poet society which i think is perfect <laughs> so perfect <laughs> It just, it never lasts very long because like you said, somebody will inevitably come up and shoot you. Well, we just need to we're make ju- sure we're just Andre, minding- Andre isn't allowed to play with us and then we're fine. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah, yeah. We Andre gets a little trigger happy sometimes. He does. <laughs> he starts lassoing us and hog tying us, which is really rude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Good times. Yeah. Yeah. Such a good idea. Tell us about your, um, you, you had an email this week from your- Oh my gosh. Yeah. So, okay. You know, a, a website, when you, when you get your website up and running, this is, this is, at least I'm this way. I don't, I, I don't really think about it much. I mean, I'll, I'll make little tweaks and visual changes and things like that, but I don't, I don't tweak a, I, I don't, I don't get wrapped up in whether or not it will cease to be, you know? Mm. And, and I got this email, this very cryptic email from the host, from my web host saying, you know, I'm really sorry, uh, and I, I never thought it would get to this point, but we're shutting down. So you need to get all of your files and all of your backups and everything off of the servers ASAP, because once the servers are shut down, you won't be able to get anything. ASAP. Do this ASAP. Gulp. But there's no date. There's no, like, you have until the end of the week. You have until the end of the month. You have until close of business today. Like, there's, there's no indication beyond ASAP. And... If you are at all like me, you don't have a Rolodex of web hosts at the ready just in case you need to switch. That's not something that you <laughs> that you generally <laughs> occupy your time thinking about. At least I don't. So, but but I am also um, 
a big researcher. I, I, as you may be able to tell, I do a lot of research about any purchase that I make. So I'm, I'm in this weird space where I have to hurry up and make a decision. And, and, and I don't know how much time I have to make that decision. So it's, it's, it's very, I'm, I'm very anxious about the whole thing, but it's also gotten me thinking about, and this is what I, I kind of reached out to Sean about over the weekend and, and said, you know, is it time to rethink the role of the personal website as a destination? Not, not should you have a yourname.com, not, not that, but what is the role of that website with, and this is what I asked you and I, and I, I don't have an answer. So I'm working through this as well. This is not, I, I don't want to ask the question because I already know the answer because I, I don't know the answer. I'm just thinking through these things of like right now, my website is, it's a limited portfolio of my work. It has episodes of the shows, uh, my podcasts, including this show, which you, you don't really go to a website to listen to a podcast. I mean, they're there, but everything is in the show notes and those podcasts are hosted elsewhere. That's another host that you have. If you, if you have a podcast, you typically have a web host where you host your website and then you have a podcast host like, Simplecast or Transistor or, you know, Podbean. Uh, there are a ton of them. And that, and that service hosts your podcast, but they're separate, right? Mm. Um, so uh, there's also a newsletter sign up. There's an about page. But as I was thinking through it, there's no real reason to go to m- my website right now. Because all of those, other than maybe seeing my paintings in a, in a different way, but a lot of that you can see on Instagram. So again, it got me thinking about what is the role of a website and could I do something different? Could, could my website, rather than being this multi-page standalone repository, could it be a single page that then points to these other platforms and services? And this is, this is a question that I had for you that we, we didn't really talk about. And I kind of wanted to get your thoughts on it because everybody's going to have a different use case, right? Like our friend of the show, Jack Lowe, he needs a full-fledged website because it's the core of his membership platform. And, and his, his work, his photographic work is so, is so linked to that platform. It's, it's one of the reasons that you would become a member is to, to support his work and what he's doing. So I, I get that. And I'm not, and I'm not saying that this answer is the right answer for everyone, but are there, are there those situations where let's say I have a landing page that has uh, a curated selection of my paintings. And if you want pricing and availability information, you, you email me and I'll send you a PDF of what's currently available along with sizes, pricing, et cetera. You know, almost like what a, what a gallery would do. You know, if you, mm. if you would go to a gallery website, they typically don't have prices listed for the work because they want to encourage a dialogue. They want to start a conversation. They want to uh, qualify you and, and help you find maybe not only the piece that you're looking for, but other work in the future, right? So they're trying to, to, to build a relationship that goes beyond just a transaction. Is that fair? Yeah. So I was thinking, well, maybe I have this landing page and, and there's a, a curated selection of my work and the blog, quote unquote, 
uh, links to Substack. And, and I do the, the instead, of, instead of forcing you to come to my website, because people don't go to websites anymore. This is, this is, my, this is my theory anyway, yeah. that for the vast majority, people don't go to websites. They don't want to go looking for things. They want things delivered to them. Yep. I don't want to go looking for content. We all complain about the algorithm, but we secretly just want the algorithm to show us interesting stuff. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, come on. Right. So same thing with, with my writing. Why would I want to force people to come to my website? Because that, that age is gone. I think, I think that era of, of going to websites and subscribing and, and getting RSS readers like Feedly or something. Mm-hmm. That has passed, and now we've moved into this other area of, of deliver the content that I've, I've told you I'm interested in it. Now just deliver it to me so I don't have to go get it. Yeah. So is that the solution for a blog, quote unquote, right? And then the store, that can link to other platforms. Then you've got Twitter, you've got Instagram, you've got all of these things. So I, I'm, I'm just, I want to get your thoughts on it. And whether it's worth trying, whether you think it might be worth trying as an experiment to leave that sort of full-blown WordPress-driven site, and maybe it's not the right idea, but is it worth doing it as an experiment of leaving that part of it and try something different and, and let, let that be a sort of disruptor to what I've done for so many years in the past? That was yeah, a very I mean, long-winded question. I'm sorry about that. No, no, no. No, I'm with you. I, I think like... I think everyone's use case is different. I can give you mine. Like, mm-hmm. so I know that, for example, I post images to Instagram because they have a chance of being found by people there. They won't be found on my website just by people right. browsing the internet. I post videos to YouTube for the same reason. People will discover them, hopefully, while they're browsing around on YouTube, but no one's going to discover them organically by browsing the internet in general and find my website. So, mm-hmm. so putting work out there to be found by people, I think you, you're right. I think you do need to play the platform game and, and, and use what's out there. Where, you have to put work where people are already hanging out and people aren't coming to seantucker.photography to hang out in groups. Right. That's, not, that's right. not what a website does. So I think you're absolutely right with that. Um, and obviously then pick your platform. If you don't like Instagram, do Flickr, do 500px, do what, do whatever your photography platform is. If you don't like YouTube, do Vimeo. But, but I would always suggest trying to find platforms where you can place work, where people are hanging out online so that they can find it. Um, Mm -hmm. in terms of like, I mean, I don't know what else have I got on my website. I've got, I've got the pages for my book, which sort of describes the book. Uh, in more detail than is usually available on something like an Amazon listing. Um, I've got a store page where I sell my collections and my audiobook, um, but I could relocate those to something like Shopify or something else. Mm-hmm. That, that'd be there mm-hmm. are platforms that do that. Sure, um, Gumroad, PayHip, you know, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. Um, I guess, yeah, and I, I, I guess. I guess it doesn't really matter. I mean, for me, I do, I like, the only reason I like having a website is because for me, it's my digital business card sure. where, where I get to control the branding, put as much or as little on there as I like. It gives me that flexibility and gives me one place to do it. But I don't rely on my website as the thing that goes out there for people to, to discover 
me and my work because that would never happen. The only way anyone's ever going to discover my website is either because I physically hand them a business card with that website on it or they click through from one of those platforms where I'm posting work online and come back to that website to hopefully do a deeper dive or purchase something from the store. That's the only Mm -hmm. reason, or or use the contact form to get in touch with me directly. Like those are the only reasons to have it. But you're right. I think you could almost do that with, with just a one pager. That's that you're essentially your, your very stripped down, simplified, um, online business card, but, but the actual work gets housed on these various platforms that probably change over time as some wax and wane and whatever else. But, but yeah, I, I, I think there was a time where, where websites were everything you had to have a website because how would people, and then you had to, you know, I, I get emails every, every week, sometimes every day, you know, improve your Google search rankings. I'm like, you're playing such an old game. Do you right, really think right. that that you, the average person like me is, is is cares at all about where my website ranks on Google? Like that's right. not my strategy. My strategy is to put work out on other platforms. I mean, I, I I have I have half a million subscribers on YouTube. Do you really think I'm going to have half a million visitors to my website by pushing Google ranking? That's just yeah, not. Right. It's just not going to happen. <laughs> so so yeah, why? Because would I... I'm I'm updating my permalink structure or backlinks exactly. or whatever. Yeah, yeah I'm going to yeah, get yeah, my yeah. tags. Just they're going to be so ninja. My tags are going to be crazy. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I'm I'm competing with with hundreds of thousands of other photographers in this country alone. Probably. What? Why would right. I play that game instead of? instead of something which I'm more likely to succeed at. And then I don't pay, have to pay somebody to be a Google ninja who can, who right. can push up the rankings. Yeah, I think, I think that what, like you said, the era of blogs has gone. I used to have a blog when I left the church, like a WordPress blog. And that did get found sometimes, but in tiny numbers. Most of the people who mm-hmm. knew about it knew me, or, or, or at least tangentially knew who I was, and that's why they went to have a look. It was still organically pushing that link out there rather than rather than someone googling online and finding the blog that didn't happen often right, for, right. for me and, yeah and the discoverability has yeah the discoverability has changed and and i i knew a bunch of people who who were early adopters of medium and dumped their own personal blogs and went to medium when yes. that was a thing you know and the same could be said for substack or uh i yeah. learned of another one from from cj chilvers another platform called ghost uh-huh. which is another one of these sort of membership email newsletter kind of driven deliver the content to the customer rather than forcing them to go look for it type of experiences. Yeah. Um, and I showed you over the weekend, there's a, a service that I've used for a little while called card, C-A-R-R-D dot yeah. C-O, card dot C-O. And it's a, it's just that it's, it's single page websites, but there's a ton of functionality. There's a ton of, of, um, um, additional sort of thing. You can have forms, you can have widgets, you can embed, you can have sections, you know, it, it is just a one pager, but it's, it's sort of like if Squarespace only allowed you to build one page, that's what it would look like. Yeah. You know, they're very clean and, and they're all mobile friendly and they have, you know, animated CSS transitions for things and you can choose typography and icons, like all of that stuff is there. And it really has gotten me thinking about the the nimbleness of having just a simple and i'm not talking about not having a web presence that's yes. not just yes. if you're listening to this please don't confuse that i'm not saying that you shouldn't have a web presence i'm just questioning the validity and the relevance of a full blown 
you know, WordPress or Drupal or Squarespace or whatever site with multiple pages and multiple sections. As Sean said, he, you know, he has no idea about traffic. I mean, I, do you even have any, any sense of how many people come from YouTube or Instagram to your site? Like what, what those re- refer numbers are? Probably I can, I can pretty low. I can look it up now. Yeah. Let's have a look. Like I mean, it's, it's not a it's not a ton. I mean, people who actually visit the site is not it's not. I mean, it's probably more than than some because it's I've got the actual um, th- those sites that are doing fairly well out there, or I'm on those platforms that are yeah. sort of pushing traffic my way. But if it, if I didn't have, there wouldn't be anybody. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah. Other than the RSS feeds for the individual show subscriptions, the 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 biggest number of visitors to my site by a country mile are bots and crawlers well and that's the thing is you don't know i i mean my these stats aren't going to help me find that out i mean at the moment looks like i'm getting about between two and four hundred visits a day Mm -hmm. and that's that's got to be mostly from well it looks like top the top people the top sites that are feeding traffic through are yeah instagram youtube and yeah. uh, oh, quite a lot from Google, which is surprising. But I'm mm-hmm. guessing that's probably because they're Googling my name directly rather than Googling Photographer UK because I've got a YouTube right. thing. So I, I still right. don't right. think right. that's that would be the case if I if I didn't if I wasn't on these other platforms. So yeah, it's uh, it's a fascinating it's, question, and I, I I'm trying to see this disruption as an opportunity rather than something for me to just go into sort of tailspin mode about like, okay, well, I have to make a change within the next, I don't even know, days within the next several days, yeah, several weeks at the most. Um, and, and it, I went and, you know, I looked at numbers and, and looked at where things were coming from and it's, you know, most people are seeing me, finding me experiencing what I do outside of my website. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's right. Oh, big, so it, biggest country for traffic? Mm-hmm. US yeah. is your country. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. Isn't that funny? I mean, which just proves again, that's people Googling my name, not people Googling UK photographer, because why would, why would Americans Google that? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> right, 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 right. Irrelevant. It's just, yeah. It's, yeah. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I know for me, like, it's, it's not... Um, it, it's not a it, it could probably be done by just using the platforms i'm already on and just having that mm-hmm. one little home that could be like you said just a page on something like i think i used to have an about.me page yeah that did something similar years ago it's just like a one yeah. pager which doesn't look as nice as the card thing you sent me or ghost i'm looking at ghost as well it looks really cool um yeah ghost is really cool it's a little expensive when you right. when you start adding you know lots of members or or users or subscribers, but that's offset by if you're charging you yes. know five bucks a month to those people, then then you make that back very quickly. And the nice thing about the idea you've had is that um, you know I, I like I've got a I've got a subscribe list for newsletters for email newsletters, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but I I can see the funnel and you know a lot of it goes into spam folders and other stuff. It's it's not necessarily read all the time and it's kind of easy to ignore but it it seems like sites like substack from what you've said where people actually have to well they don't have to pay necessarily you can choose what you do but but most of the time it's it's a pay to read thing and you're putting out regular thoughtful content that people pay so they definitely want to read it when it comes out there's a more intentional relationship with it it's better than blogging used to be right and it's even even if it's only a few dollars a month or a few dollars you know 
what a lot of people will do is they'll, I've seen this, this pricing model of it's, it's $10 a month or it's $50 a year. So there's a massive encouragement to just subscribe for the year. Yeah. So, so, so let's do, like, do the experiment in your head with me. So, so what you could do is you could, you could set up like a, a card page, mm-hmm. which is just a really nice one pager that, that, that gives a little about you section, little profile picture maybe. And then it's got like three or four things down the page. These are the things I do. Here I'm a painter. Mm-hmm. And then underneath you can have a little button click to this Flickr page, for example, where you've uploaded your photographs in nice high resolution so people can take a look at your work. And then next down is, I'm also a podcaster. This is the stuff I do. And then underneath you've got a link to click through to iTunes where you can subscribe to that feed because that's where your podcast lives. Mm-hmm. And then underneath you've got, and I'm also a photographer from time to time, and you've got underneath you've got a link, click this button to go through to my Instagram, say. And then you've got a, can you do a contact form on it? Absolutely. Perfect. So then maybe underneath that you've got like, uh, here's a contact form to get in touch with me. If you'd like to, you can have a little block for here. Here, If you'd like to subscribe to my newsletter, click this button to go to Substack and subscribe there. And then maybe I also sell prints of my paintings and I sell a book, um, Photography by the Letter, which you can pick up as well. Here's a link to my Shopify. So using those different platforms and having a very simple, clean one pager, you can send people out to those other places where your work exists where they actually you stand a chance of them being found organically right right that sounds, that sounds and like that's that's the well. thing that i was thinking about with you when, I, when we were talking about it is you know something like substack and there look there are a lot of downsides to substack there are a lot of upsides all of these platforms have their pros and cons and i don't want to i don't want to present this idea that you know i've found this sort of mystical solution uh for everything because i haven't a lot of them they take work just like anything else. But one of the things that I like about the idea of a Substack type thing where there are curated lists, especially now that they have the app, they are curating and, and featuring um, writers and, and, and content producers. I see that as encouragement to write more often and to write better. Mm. to to a, to potentially attract the attention of someone, an editor, a curator, et cetera, to then, you know, pull me out of a hat and get to that, 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 that list, which then gets more eyes or ears on your work. And the fact that I can, I can release a newsletter, but I can also include audio in that newsletter. Oh yeah. Cool. Yeah. And deliver it straight away to you. So I can, I can, you know, for example, I could, uh, uh, post some behind the scenes, uh, or process shots of, of paintings and then record a little audio commentary on, on what was going on and, and how I did it and what was happening and yeah. put that in, in this one thing that gets delivered to you. And I kind of love that. I don't know that I could, I mean, yes, I could post that in a, in a post on my website, but then it's incumbent on you to find it rather than just to open your inbox and there it is. Plus, if you have people paying you to read your newsletter regularly, that kind of gives you that motivation of this is my job. Yes. Like this isn't, this isn't a hobby or for fun. Like I need to make sure this, this I mean, this is how I think of YouTube. This is my job. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, YouTube ad revenue isn't amazing. Don't get me wrong. But between that and some Squarespace, you know, ad revenue and the rest of it, like um, sponsorship money or whatever, th- those sort of things help me pay my bills. This is my actual job. So I take it super seriously. It's yes. not like I'm going to make a fun video on the weekend and see if people like it. Mm-hmm. When you start having an audience that, whether directly or indirectly, um, are, 
are you know you're, you're actually making enough money or starting to make money that you can begin to live off or at least help you subsidize your bills it does start to fall into a different category it's not for fun now yeah there's a different level of responsibility that you feel too yeah absolutely yeah yeah, I don't think I don't think websites now. I mean, obviously, like I still have a, a website, you know, and I, I still have a load of pages on that website, and I'm going to keep it because it does work for me for now. But if I was in your situation where for some reason I was about to lose it, I might go to something a lot more simplified because I think that desperate need to have super rich websites because we're trying to get pushed up Google ranking because organically traffic's going to be fed through to our website. I just don't think that's realistic anymore unless you're a, a big name already. And people mm-hmm. want to find that, you know, I don't think that's how it works now. Is my but sense. even, I mean, even some of the big names, I would, I mean, I wonder, I, I know Marquez Brownlee, we, we mention him a lot and it's, I think with good reason, he's, he's, yeah. I, I think a terrific example of somebody who has uh, got a lot of integrity and, and is not just pandering or, or doing this clickbaity kind of, kind of, you know, content. He's, I, I, I think he's generally uh, genuinely rather, uh, talented and, and insightful. And, you know, if, if I'm looking for a piece of tech, Mm -hmm. he will often be the first person I go to, to get thoughts on it because I know he's going to do his diligence and he's going to show me both sides. He's not just going to be a shill for a company, et cetera. Yeah. But anyway, so I, I, I wonder, you know, what kind of traffic he's getting to mkbhd.com relative to, I mean, it's probably a lot, don't get me wrong, but relative to, yeah, and he's he's, uh, he's on the second page of Google rankings, which I think is hilarious. Do you know what I mean? He wow. can't even wow. he can't even get his. I mean, a guy like that isn't even on the. But front what did page you? Okay, Google. what was your search term? What did you look for? I searched his name. Oh, okay, Marcus okay. Brownlee. Yeah, and but it, if you search for a tech reviewer, if you uh-huh. Google, uh, let's see. It, w- it probably won't come up with him though. Yeah, I mean, you got. It probably, yeah, no, it doesn't. It doesn't come up with his website, and if it does, it will first take you to his YouTube or something else. It won't take you mm-hmm. to his website first. That's kind of proves the point, doesn't it? Yeah, mm-hmm. no, he's he's not even on the second page with that. Um, yeah, his actual website is nowhere to be seen if you search that. You have to search his name directly, and then not even someone like Marquez, who I would imagine is paying for Google ranking stuff, is still not on the front page of Google. So who cares? You can't find right. him just by searching tech reviewer. It's not going to happen. So if, if a guy with that size audience, it doesn't work for, who does it work for? Yeah. What are, what are the odds of, you know, I don't know, a, a senior portrait photographer from Poughkeepsie, New York, you know, like Howard, yeah. like, it's, it's gotta be yeah. no offense to senior portrait photographers in Poughkeepsie yeah, or anywhere emails else. now. <laughs> I know. <laughs> What's wrong with portrait photography? <laughs> Elitist prick. <laughs> nothing, nothing. Um, yeah. If the game has changed so much, and this is another area of, of those algorithms that we talk about that, that, is, that is also mystifying and it changes all the time. You know, Google changes how they rank pages and what criteria they look for or penalize all the time. Yeah. And how do you know what, I mean, how do you know what, I guess you're paying those people that email you, aren't you? Pretty much. <laughs> yeah. You're paying the, the SEO experts that, that end up in your spam folder. So maybe they deserve more credit. I don't know. Yeah. 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 No, I, I, oh, he, he's actually using something called fourth wall Marquez, which is interesting. It looks like another one of these sites to build communities on this. That's an interesting question as well, is these people who are using websites to build, like we mentioned, Jack Lowe, building mm-hmm. their own community on an actual website. 
I'm really mm-hmm. interested by the idea because I think then you do start to control your own space. But I think you're naive if you think you're going to have big numbers there. Um, I bet even someone like Marquez, you compare the size of his audience on on something like YouTube versus the size of his audience that interact with him on his own website, you know, under fourth wall. I would right. imagine it's a, a minuscule fraction of the whole. But right. monetarily, that might be worth it to him and quality of interaction with his fans, it might be worth it to him. That's, it's always interesting. You've got to set your expectations differently then. Maybe it's the same with Substack. Yeah, I think it is. I mean, I think, you know, we, this is a theme that comes up often, managing expectations in all aspects of, mm-hmm. of our, not just creative lives, but our, our lives, managing expectations. And I think this is no different. You know, it, it is, I think, I think you hit it right on the head. If you're going to build an online presence of any kind on your own and expect a flood of visitors, that might be a tough road. Yep. But if you go where people already are, I think, I, I don't know, I, it seems like that's, a, that's a strategically a better decision, doesn't it? I, I wonder if it's, if it's not good to do both. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Because I, like now, I could, I'm, I am trying to think of ways to do this. I just don't know how to do it yet. Is, is the, in, the level of interaction on YouTube is obviously poor. Um, right. you're, you're dealing with big numbers, but most people are skimming in and out of what you do and they're not really with you all the way through everything. And they're not really your community. They, they're just dipping in and out of things. But there are, there, there is that thousand true fans at the corner, uh, like in, the, mm-hmm. in, in, in that core of, in the middle of what you do. Um, and I, I have trying to been think about like thinking about how do I, how do I get them to a space where we can interact more meaningfully? around right. things and and maybe then what you do is you 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 use things like youtube and instagram as hooks to bring people in and then you feed through that core who want to interact with you more deliberately over time which is going to be a, a tiny tiny number of the whole but is going to probably feed your soul a lot more than the the sort of vacuous interaction you get online on social right. media platforms um yeah i mean that, that like like um like you guys had with the podcast when you had OTP on, on um, Google plus like mm-hmm. that kind of quality of interaction with, with, with a small core of your fans rather than, you know, never speaking to most of them or them just like leaving the old comment here and there and moving on to other podcasts. Right. And I, and I read, um, I'll have to see if I can find the link. I read this, this girl, she's a writer and she was talking about, um, this experiment where she, I think it was, it was even Substack where she used an example, uh, where she decided to serialize her novel for subscribers. And if you paid X number of dollars a month, she would give you a new chapter each, each month. And what she found was that people were paying, but they weren't reading the book. Oh, because they were paying to support her doing the thing that she loved and was yeah. good at yeah. and, 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 and supporting the person, not the project. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I kind of, I, I mean, we talked about this a couple of weeks back or last week. I can't remember what it was, but mm-hmm. just, I, I, mm-hmm. that's the kind of person I want to be. Like if I don't get everything somebody's doing, I still want to support the person if I believe in them. I kind of like right. that. I mean, it's obviously yeah. disappointing if you're a, a maker of things and people aren't interacting with your actual work, but it's still an, a, an honor to have people believe in you as a human being enough to say, I want to see you happy and doing the thing you love doing. Maybe it's even 
more touching in a way. Yeah. Well, but how, I mean, how arrogant is it to be a, a maker of things mm. and, and assume that everybody's going to like everything that you do? Yeah. Oh, it's mad. It's, it's proper mad, that, isn't it? If you think about it. Yeah. I mean, I think if everyone likes what you do, they're not paying attention. Right. They're just saying they like it because they're trying to be nice. No one can like right. everything anyone does. That's mad. And therein lies the problem of, of uh, me and like buttons. <laughs> yeah. You can post yeah. some, I, I know you don't like this. You like the, you know, and, and there's no distinction of, I like this, this thing, this image, whatever, or I like the fact that you're doing it. Yeah. I mean, I know YouTubers, fellow YouTubers who, who, who are like sleeping better at night now because YouTube took away the dislike number. Like, <laughs> Isn't that so, funny? I know some, so I know I, I have close friends who, who looked at that dislike button and went, oh my gosh, 25 people disliked my video. I'm like, is that right. all? Right. Were you, were you playing it too safe then? I don't know what you, I don't know what you're doing. Like that doesn't mean anything. You you genuinely want zero dislikes on a video. I mean, some people just communicate with dislikes. That's that's how they communicate. That's the only language they know. It's got nothing to do with what you're doing. But to have it derail you because someone didn't like something, you got to get your mind right before you get back to making. You're going to get sidetracked right. so fast if you're trying to please absolutely everybody. Your work's going to be vacuous people pleasy crap i mean personally i'm not a leave a comment hit the dislike button kind of guy i don't feel the need to do that but there are things that people make that i don't like but i like them Mm -hmm. and i like what they've done in the past and i know i'll like what they do in the future but i don't take that too seriously i'm not running around to all my friends going did you see what so-and-so just put out they used to be good it's so rubbish now like that that's a particular personality that needs to take a long hard look at themselves that's a bit of schadenfreude what are you doing what, what, why, why, are you, why are you so excited about the fact that someone you respected put out something that you're not that sure about at the moment and now you're finding reasons to dismiss them as if you're better than them? You're on right. their team, remember? You like them. So what are you doing? It's, yeah, it's a, it's a funny old game, isn't it? It's hysterical and it's confusing and frustrating and, and maddening at times, but the idea that you're ever going to figure it out completely you need to let go of that. Oh yeah. Because it it's it's going to change faster than you can figure it out. That's true. That's really true. What do you use as your primary online presence? Is it a standalone website or social media? Send us an email or a voicemail at deepnatter@gmail.com. At Subscribe in your favorite podcast app. And support the show by leaving a review or a rating wherever you listen, or by sharing the episode on social media. You can help support the cost of producing the shows more directly by tapping the donate button at jeffreysadoris.com. That's J-E-F-F-E-R-Y-S-A-D-D-O-R-I-S. And thank you very much to those of you who have donated. Connect with Sean on Twitter and Instagram at Sean Tuck. That's S-E-A-N-T-U-C-K. On his website at seantucker.photography or by searching for Sean Tucker on YouTube. Connect with me on Twitter and Instagram, at Jeffrey Sidoris. And as always, thank you very much for being here. Thank you for listening. We appreciate your time. We hope you enjoyed it, and we hope you'll come back for the next one. 